from, wow, just Lawrence, Kansas, right? Oh boy, I thought I had that right. Lawrence, Kansas, all the way. And um, boy, I'll tell you what, we have been thrilled. It's just been a great time. We had an opportunity to go to lunch with him today and uh, some of the staff and so forth. What a blessing that was just to get to know him. Man, what a wonderful ministry, and I'm looking forward to asking him more about his ministry. But they're involved in uh, church planting, and they have a heart and a desire for missions like nobody's business. And boy, I tell you what, we are so thrilled, so honored to have him with us. And I tell you what, if you haven't heard him yet, you're going to be glad you came. And if you did hear him, you're glad you came back, aren't you, already? Well, Brother Hanks. Hey, I didn't know your pastor, Pastor O'Donnell, but I tell you, after lunch today, we got to spend some time together. And it's very unusual when you come to a church and you don't know each other real well. But uh, I have figured out that him and I are very much alike. And I thought I was an oddball. Now I don't know there's two oddballs. <laughs> I'm just telling you. I was, I just, I was, actually, I was encouraged. Uh, you know, sometimes as pastors, you think you're the only one that has weird thinking. And it's because there's so many other people out there that don't think the same. And so we kind of think the same. That's kind of scary. I'm just telling you. And, uh, but anyway, hey, I brought my glasses tonight. Just want you to know, 
I'm sure glad I was not in Lawrence, Kansas when I put those purple classes on last night. I'm just so glad. I, you know, I, uh, again, I'm, you give me a little bit of liberty, but I'm, um, I think a fella ought to, ought to look like a fella. All right, I'm just, all right, I'm not going to go any farther than that, but I'm just, you know, so for me, you know, I don't want my boys wearing pink or anything pastel or anything that's, you know, girlish. I figure, you know, when you bring your kid home from the hospital, the boys have a blue blanket, the girls have a pink blanket. And so when I took those purple glasses last night, I was really borderline. I mean, borderline. And so I said, that's not going to happen again tonight. So I just want you to know these are black. They're not purple. All right, I'm just letting you know. And uh, so anyway, but I've thoroughly enjoyed. Thank you again. Uh, the hotel is, uh, is really, really nice. We're staying. Had a wonderful meal today. And uh, just it's been, it's been a thrill to be here. I wish, you know, the bad thing about coming to a church, you don't get a chance to know everybody. And um, I would have enjoyed doing that. But uh, you all have been very, very gracious to me. And I appreciate that very, very much. Got your Bible tonight. Turn over Acts chapter 1 tonight. Acts chapter number 1. <clears throat> I want to look at uh, this passage of Scripture and kind of walk through it a little bit with you tonight. Acts chapter number 1. I appreciate you coming on a Friday night. There's a lot of other things you could have done on a Friday night. All right? So you came to church. So these must be the spiritual people of the Community Baptist Church. Am I right? Okay. I guess not. All right? All right. Hey, you girls have hope. Now there's two guys tonight. I'm just telling you, it's growing. All right? Had all these girls over here, and then last night was not Daniel, right? Only Daniel, and Isaac decided to join the, the mix tonight. All right? The guy in the middle doesn't matter. He's married. He's gone. He's done. He's old. You know, that, that one doesn't count. But uh, anyway, they got up to two, all right? So girls, you're being a good influence. You're getting more guys to come to church at least, all right? So keep it up. Acts chapter number one. Let's look at a Bible verse with you now. Let's pick it up. We'll pick it up verse number four tonight. Acts chapter one, verse four. It says, And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. And we all know that God, Jesus is speaking to the disciples. He's about to ascend up into heaven. In verse 6 it says, When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. Church family, let's go ahead and read verse 8 out loud together. You ready? Begin. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. All right, now do we believe that tonight? If you do, say amen. amen. All right, so we understand that Jesus Christ's last command ought to be our highest priority. And that his last command was, I want you to go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the world. And that's why we have a missions conference. Because that's what Christ commanded us to do before he left after his first coming. And he is coming again. And we all know that in verse number 10, it says, And while they looked, in verse, uh, I'm sorry, verse number 9, And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up on a cloud, received him out of their sight. So Christ's last command was, I want you to be a witness for me. Now, church family, that's not just for the missionary in the foreign field. That's for us as Christians. We're supposed to be a witness of Jesus Christ. If you're saved tonight, say amen. amen. Then you ought to be a witness of that. That's what the Bible's teaching us. That's what Jesus was telling his disciples. So now think, for, I, wanna, I want you to put yourself in what was going on at this time. Jesus is with his disciples. He comes to the Mount Olivet. Jesus ascends up into heaven. The last thing he says is, guys, you're going to be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, uttermost part of the world. Then he ascends up into heaven. All right? So then the disciples come back. In chapter number two, you've got the day of Pentecost. Now, let me just pinpoint some verses with you. Look at chapter one, verse number 15. It says, in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, the number of the names together were about how many? 
All right, 120. So we see that there's 120. I want you to follow the, the numbering of how many people became to the faith, if I can say it this way, or came together because of them being witnesses. Look at verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 41. At the end of the day of Pentecost, we know what happened. In verse 41, Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about how many? 3,000. Chapter 4, verse number 4. Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of the men was about how many? 5,000. All right, so in the upper room was 120. We saw on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 saved. We see because of the lame man being healed, there were 5,000 saved. Chapter 4, verse number 4. Look at chapter 6, verse number 1. Chapter 6, verse 1. And in those days when the number of the disciples was, now it's not a number, but what's the word? Multiplied. In verse number 7, chapter 6, verse 7. The word of God increased and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem. What's the adjective? Greatly. Now, what I want you to see is this, and I'm going to talk about world evangelism tonight, because when Jesus left, his last statement was, I want you to reach the world. That was what Jesus said, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, uttermost. God said, I want you as Christians to reach the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So what happens? Jesus sends up into heaven. All of a sudden, in the same chapter, there's 120 people meeting in the upper room. Uh, a few days later, or time later, on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 people get saved. They get added to the church. Not a couple of chapters over, chapter 3 and chapter 4, the lame man is healed. James and John in chapter 4 are going to be, uh, be arrested. And uh, 5,000 men believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. Then it goes to those statements. It, they multiplied. They greatly multiplied. All right? So we see that they were fulfilling the Great Commission, but they were only doing it in Jerusalem. All right? now, I'm not telling you anything you don't know. But look at chapter number 8 now. Acts chapter 8, look what happens. In chapter number 8, verse number 1, it says, And Saul was consenting unto his death, and at that time there was great persecution against the church that was where? Jerusalem. All right, follow me now. Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of where? Judea and where? I don't know if you catch it or not, but it mentions Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, then verse number four, therefore they that were scattered abroad went where? Everywhere preaching the word. Now, church family, think for a moment here. Acts chapter one, verse number eight, Jesus, before he ascends up into heaven, he says, you're going to be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, uttermost part of the earth. But they didn't go to, the, uh, to Judea, Samaria, uttermost part. They only went to Jerusalem. And there were people being saved in their Jerusalem. But then when you come to chapter number eight, the Bible says there was great persecution on the church. And all of a sudden... We find those three places, or four, come back up. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, everywhere. Why did that happen? Persecution. All right, now, it's going to be a shame, but I want to tell you something. We have seen some of that with COVID. I know it's a different type of persecution, but this idea of not being able to have church, it used to be a day that when a person got sick, you quarantined the sick. Now we quarantine the healthy. All right, now, listen, I'm not, I'm not trying to, to split hairs tonight, but I'm just trying to say that this is of the devil. I'm just, I'm just telling you. To get churches to close down, to make laws that you can't come to church. I'm just telling you, the devil's orchestrating it. All right? Now, follow me. Here's the thought tonight. Persecution is what caused them to scatter. Now, if you follow your scriptures here, in chapter number 8, the Bible says in verse number 4, therefore they were scattered abroad everywhere. Do you see that in verse number 4? I'm going to read it one more time for emphasis. In chapter 8, verse number 4, they, therefore they were scattered abroad everywhere. Now, church family, the rest of chapter 8, you have the Ethiopian eunuch gets saved. In chapter 9, you have Saul gets saved. In chapter 10, Cornelius gets saved. Now look at chapter number 11. In Acts chapter number 11, I want you to pick it up in verse number 19. Acts chapter 11, verse number 19. 
Now they that were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen traveled as far as Phoenice and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to none but unto the Jews only. Now, I don't know if you caught it or not, but really, chapter 8, verse number 4, picks up again in chapter 11, verse number 19. Now, listen, I'm going to preach here, and I know I'm laying a lot of groundwork, but I don't want you to miss what took place. Yes, uh, Ethiopian eunuch gets saved in chapter number 8, and yes, Paul gets saved in chapter 9, and yes, Cornelius gets saved in chapter number 10. But what happens from chapter 8 to chapter 11, it's like the story gets picked back up. All right, so chapter number 8, great persecution comes upon them, and they're now fulfilling the Great Commission. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, uttermost part of the earth. Then in chapter number 11, those guys that went everywhere finally are doing world evangelism. Now look, now here's the thought tonight, all right? Look at verse number 19 again. Now they that were scattered abroad upon the persecution that rose about Stephen traveled as far as Phoenice and Cyprus and Antioch preaching the word to none but unto the Jews only. Verse 20, and some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which when they were come to Antioch spake unto the Grecians preaching the Lord Jesus Christ. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. Now, church family, I want to take these three or four verses tonight because this is truly world evangelism. What we're looking at in these three verses really describe what you and I are supposed to be doing. Jesus, before he ascended up into heaven, said, I want you. If you're saved tonight, you're a witness of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, I want you to go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And then he picks up verse number 11, and we find that world evangelism starts to take place like God intended for it to take place. So I want you to just notice some things about this world evangelism quickly from these, these verses tonight. The first thing I want you to see tonight is in verse number 20, and it says, And some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene. Now, I know that might not mean much to you, but, but there's some things that we can understand because of what's not said. All right, now, for instance, watch for a second here. Cyprus was an island. They were men of Cyprus and Cyrene. Cyprus was an island. Cyrene was a city in Africa, a small city in Africa. Their names are not mentioned. We know nothing about these fellas. All that we know is that when the persecution took place in Jerusalem, they went everywhere, and all of a sudden when it picks back up, we find out these guys were called, they were called men of Cyprus and Cyrene, and they were the ones that gave the gospel out and people got saved. They practiced world evangelism. So you know what that tells me? When I look at Cyprus and Cyrene and we know nothing about these fellas, I see that God uses unlikely people to get the gospel to the world. Think about it. These guys were off of an island. These guys were not, it wasn't like that these guys had interaction with all these different large cities and small cities. Some of these guys came off an island. Some of these guys came from Africa, from a small city. I'm just telling you, they weren't apostles. They weren't from Jerusalem. They, they, they weren't some big name. Pre God does not even tell us what their names were. I don't know what takes place tomorrow, but I'm guessing we do soul winning tomorrow. Now listen, I don't know what this church does for soul winning, but can I just tell you, the light that shines the farthest shines brightest at home. Oswald J. Smith is one that said that, and I want to tell you it's true. You're not going to get the gospel to the world if you're not getting the gospel to people here. And it takes an unlikely person, just like you and I. Can I just tell you, there's nothing fancy in the auditorium here when it comes to individuals. We're all sinners saved by the grace of God. Amen. And it doesn't matter if you were raised in a Christian home. It doesn't matter if you were a preacher's kid. It doesn't matter if you're the deacon's kid. All that matters is that you're a witness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Listen, we have people that come out soul winning at Heritage. And to be honest with you, I, I think to myself, I don't know how they're going to lead anybody to Christ. But can I tell you, that's all of us. 
Because all of us, it's not about our ability to speak. You say, well, Pastor, I would be a witness of Jesus Christ, but I don't have that gift. There's no gift to tell somebody about how to be saved. Now, some of you have the gift of gab, but that's not the gift. All right? Some of you are quiet. Some of you are timid. And you think to yourself, I just cannot be that kind of person that that witnesses. Hey, can I just tell you, you can do it. You know, all all you have to do is you take a gospel track and you go to that door You go to that door and you knock on that door. Hello, my name's Scott. This is John. We're from the Community Baptist Temple. And I just want to give you an invite. Now, I want to tell you, if that's all you did, that's the first step. All righty? You say, man, I'll get in front of that door and the person's going to open that door. And I'm not going to say anything. Okay? You stand there long enough, you'll say something. I promise you. Because otherwise, they're going to look at you like, what are you doing on my doorstep? Some of you say, Pastor Riggs, I just don't have all the verses memorized. That's not a problem at all. You get your New Testament, you start in Romans 3.23, next to 3.23, you write down 6.23 in the margin. At 6.23, you write in the, in the margin of 5.8, and you just work your way through the Romans road. You know, you, can I tell you, they're not getting saved because you are so thorough. They are not going to get saved because you're a good speaker. They're going to get saved because you're an unlikely candidate to get the gospel to a lost and dying world. Just remember, I don't have to turn to it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, you've read it before, verses 26 through 31. God uses the, the, the things that are nots. He uses the despised things. He uses, he uses things that are not likely to be used. That's what God wants to use when it comes to witnessing to people. We've got this thing all wrong. The only person who can lead people to Christ is the pastor or the person who's been saved all his life. If you've been saved one day, you're a witness. That's what you're a witness of. So when I look at world evangelism, I see that he uses unlikely candidates. Boy, I enjoyed the, I guess both last night and tonight, I enjoyed watching the missionaries that are on it. And tonight's missionary, can you tell me his name again? Chapman, Brother Chapman. I've never seen him before, never heard of him before. But boy, I was, I was encouraged. You know, Brother Chapman's real. I mean, and that, that's my take on it, just watching him on the screen. He's as real as can be. There's not a lot of bells and whistles. Now, I don't know how he's drawing all these bodybuilders to him, but there's no bells and whistles to that guy. He is just plain Jane. And I want to tell you, when it comes to winning people to Christ, and if you're going to do world evangelism, world evangelism starts here. It starts with telling your neighbor and the person that you work with and the person that you knock on their door or the person that you're doing ministry. It's just a matter of saying, I, I, I've given my testimony hundreds of times at Heritage Baptist Church. I was 11 years old when I accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. I was sitting on the fourth row back. The preacher was preaching on hell, scared me half to death. I came forward. I sat down in the front row and somebody opened a Bible, showed me that I was a sinner bound for hell needing a savior and I accepted Christ as my savior. I have told my testimony I don't know how many times. I was 11 years old. I was sitting in the fourth row back. The preacher was preaching on hell. Scared me half to death. I came forward. Somebody took a Bible, showed me that I was a sinner bound for hell, needing a Savior, accepted Christ as my Savior. So one time we were doing a soul winning training class, and I told all of the class, I want you to write your testimony out. And so I was going to read those testimonies. The first testimony that I got was from a lady that she was probably 30 or 35 years old, and her first testimony was this. I was 11 years old. I was sitting on the fourth row back. The preacher was preaching on hell, and he scared me half to death. 
Two, two weeks ago, I had uh, the, uh, uh, the teenagers were sitting on the front row. They, for whatever reason, they're doing it on Sunday nights now. But, uh, and they chose. I didn't ask them to, but sitting in the front row. So I just had them all come up. It was the middle of the service, or more, right at the beginning of the service. I said, I want you all to come up. I want you to tell people your name. I want you to tell you how I got saved. And they're going through these. And one of the teenage boys, sure enough, <laughs> my name was, he told his name. I was 11 years old. I'm sitting in the fourth row back. The preacher was preaching on hell. It scared me half to death. <laughs> they know how I got saved. I don't think he was saved. But anyway, they know how I got saved. (laughs) Can I just tell you that given your testimony, if you're born again, tell how you got born again. Okay, we all are different places. We got saved at a church. We got saved at a camp. We got saved because of somebody at work. I know we might have been different places, but we all got saved the same way. We all realized we were a sinner bound for hell and that Jesus loved us and died for us and we accepted him as our personal savior. It's really simple and it's really plain. Can I tell you what world evangelism is? God uses unlikely people like the men of Cyprus and the men of Cyrene who we know nothing about except they took the gospel somewhere. Unlikely person. World evangelism is not only that. Look at the next thing. Look at verse number 20. And some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians. Now, I know that doesn't mean much to you, but the Grecians are only mentioned two other times in Scripture. The Grecians were basically Jews that went to other parts of the world, uh, and then they took on the Greek language until where a person would look at them. And some people might say that they were half Greek, half Jew, and that's fine. But basically, they were Jews that spoke the Greek language. And they, were not necess- they were, might have been originally from Jerusalem, but they were not from, from Jerusalem, and they, they were called Grecians. But they're mentioned two other times in Scripture. And, I, and I, I, it bears witness of what this is talking about by just reading the two verses about the Grecians. So if you'll do that with me, look at your Bible in Acts chapter 6. Look at verse number 1. There's only two places that they're mentioned. Acts chapter 6, verse number 1 is the first one. It's when they made deacons. In verse number 1, chapter 6, And in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there was a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily administration. And I know that probably doesn't say much to you, but look at the next time it's mentioned. Look at the next one, Acts chapter 9. Look at Acts chapter 9, look at verse 29. Acts 9, verse number 29. Talking about Paul. So Paul here, and he spake boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus and disputed against the Grecians, but they, the Grecians, but they went about to slay him. All right, now, just let me think for a moment here. The only thing we know about the Grecians from these two verses is that they murmured against the disciples for not taking care of the widows, and they wanted to kill Apostle Paul. That's it. Now, here's what I gather from this. These unknown people, and I want to just say it this way, these unlikely persons went to an unlovely people. They were not nice. They were against Apostle Paul. They were against the the apostles for not taking... They they just were not a a lovable people. Can, Can I tell you, when it comes to getting the gospel to a lost and dying world, it's you and me, unlikely candidates, going to an unlovely people. Can I tell you, you were unlovely before you got saved too. In fact, some of you still are pretty unlovely. <laughs> can, can I just tell you that the people that we need to witness to, we look at them and sometimes we categorize them. That's a Jehovah's Witness, can't be saved. Says who? Well, you know, we look at different, I, I'm from Lawrence, Kansas. It's a college town. About 100,000 people there in, in Lawrence, Kansas. And I want to tell you something. I was telling one of the fellows today that in our town, the newspaper said that three out of four people, um, three out of four adults, excuse me, three out of four adults in Lawrence, Kansas have a college degree. Now, I'm not going to say much to you, but I want to tell you something. You door knock in Lawrence, Kansas. Everybody's educated. And if you've gone to the most, and, and it's a liberal university, if you've gone there, you don't get very far into your education. And they have whole courses on how the Bible's not the word of God. Jesus is not the son of God. 
just their history of civilization just downgrades Christianity to the extreme. So when you knock doors in Lawrence, Kansas, I'm just telling you, I don't like knocking doors in Lawrence, Kansas. In fact, I don't like knocking doors in Lawrence, Kansas. Did I say that? I don't like knocking doors in Lawrence, Kansas. The only reason I knock doors in Lawrence, Kansas is because God put me there, and that's what he commanded us to do. I, I went to one door. Hello, my name's Scott Hanks, and this, this guy, and it's very, they're, very, they're very wealthy. Many, most of the people there are very wealthy. He, he opens the door. I, uh, hello, my name's Scott Hanks. I'm from Heritage Baptist Church. Just like to give you an invite. And he just looks at me. Doesn't say anything. Just looks at me. And then he goes like this. He looks up and down. I say again, I'm, my name's, I, I pastor the Heritage Baptist Church. Just want to give you an invite. And then he says this. Uh, you don't need to be in places like this. You need to go somewhere else. Uh, can I just tell you, church family, I don't enjoy going to the Grecians, but the Grecians need to be saved. We have two bus routes in Topeka, one bus route in Lawrence, Kansas. Topeka are more common folk, people you can talk to. You know, they're more middle class. And so, to be honest with you, it's 30 miles down the road. I enjoy going to Topeka. It's a, there's hardly a Saturday that we, we take a group to Topeka. We go every Saturday to Topeka, and then we go Thursdays to Lawrence. But uh, there's hardly a Saturday that goes by. Now, last night, they had one person saved in Lawrence, because I called home. They had one person saved in Lawrence. But there's hardly a Saturday that goes by that there's somebody does not get saved in Topeka. It's just a different class of people. Now, I don't know your area. I know nothing about this area. But I'm just trying to tell you that it doesn't matter where you go, there's going to be people that are unlovely. It might be riches. It might be education. It might be just the way they were raised. It might be their personality. But can you understand that people are going to die and go to hell, and it won't be whether or not, you know, how much money they had or where they went to school. It's whether or not they know Jesus Christ as their Savior. And can I tell you what world evangelism is? It doesn't matter if you're all the way over there in Australia or if you're in Akron, Ohio. It's an unlikely person like you and I taking the gospel to unlovely people. That's what world evangelism is. Look what he says next. Not only that, go back, I'm sorry, chapter number 11, Acts number 11. If you're with me tonight, say amen. Verse number 20 again, Acts 11, verse number 20. And some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, that was the unlikely candidate, which when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians, that was the unlovely people. Now what's the last phrase of verse 20 say? Say it with me. Preaching, preaching the Lord Jesus. You know, I am so glad that I am an independent Baptist. And again, I guess I should go a step further. I'm glad I'm a Christian. Because by the way, there's a bunch of Baptists that are going to die and go to hell. Because you don't go to heaven because of what church you go to or what denomination you are. You go to heaven for because of Jesus Christ and him alone. When Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. There's no other way to heaven except Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but at least when I'm witnessing, I like it that I'm not, I don't have to say, well, there's only 144,000 people going to heaven and you're not a Jew, so you're going to hell. I'm glad I'm a Christian. I'm glad I can say, for God so loved the world. I'm glad that our salvation is not based on how we dress or what church we go to or our political stance. I'm glad none of that has to do with it. There's only one common denominator. That's Jesus Christ. You know what world evangelism is? It's an unlikely candidate like you and I taking, uh, going to an unlovely people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's real simple. You came on a Friday night. I just have to suspect that you're saved tonight. I have to suspect that there was a time in your life that you realized you were a sinner and you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, and it was that simple.
It's nice to be able to talk to the few people that I have just since being here and finding out how they got saved and what the Lord did. Some of you got saved when you were in your 20s, some 30s. I know there's some of the young people that probably got saved when they were probably six, seven, eight. But, you know, it all goes back to the same thing. Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. And that's what world evangelism is. Church family, you're not sending missionaries around the world so they can tell their own way, way to heaven. There's only one way to heaven. So quickly, what is world evangelism? It's an unlikely candidate going to an unlovely people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And don't miss this last thing because this is the most important. Look at your Bible again. Look what happened here. In verse number, 19, verse number 20, last phrase, preaching the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 21. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. You know what world evangelism is? It's an unlikely person, or you can say candidate, but an unlikely candidate going to an unlovely people with the gospel of Jesus Christ with God's hand on them. Isaac, help me for just a second, if you don't mind. Come here for a second. You know, when you all look at the scriptures, you're going to find out that God's hand is mentioned about several different things, okay? So, like, when you look in the scripture, you're going to find out that God's hand was used for direction, all right? Hold my hand and don't be funny, all right? <laughs> this, all, this feels funny, believe me, all right? God gives direction in our life. By the way, that's what we do. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall. That's God's hand in our life. God gives direction in our life, all right? God also in the scripture talks about how God gave his hand of protection. He talks about how God uh, kept the uh, Philistine, I'm sorry, he kept the Egyptians away from the Israelites. There were times that God put his hand and he protected God's people. He, by the way, God protects us with his hand. Aren't you glad that in John chapter 10, verse number 28, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. So we find out that we have God's direction in life. We find out that we have God's protection in life. God's hands used the third way in Scripture, all right? The third way is God's hand of correction. You... <laughs> correction. How many think Isaac needs some correction tonight? Say Amen. Correction. But the fourth way has to do with world evangelism. Because the Bible says that God's hand was upon them. Church I, mean, I think the reason, real reason we don't tell people about Jesus Christ is because we're trying to do it in the flesh, we're not doing it in the spirit. The reason you have a hard time knocking on a door is not because you're shy and timid, it's because God's, not, God's hand's not on you. Can I illustrate this way, too? Come here for a second, Isaac, if you don't mind. Let's put you, um, let's see here. Mm -hmm. I'll put you down here if you don't mind. All right, you go ahead and deal down there for a second. I'm looking for something that I can throw. Okay, I'm going to use the songbook, but I'm not going to drop it. Just so you know, Pastor, all right? I'll just do this. All right, you take that right there. We're going to pretend for just a moment. We're going to pretend you're the newspaper boy. Okay. All right, can you pretend? Now, when you throw that, make sure I catch it, Okay. All right, so I'm at my house, and the newspaper boys, he's coming by, and he's got several houses to get to, all right? So he comes by, you're going to come walking by, you're going to toss me my paper, all right? I toss him my paper, and I get the paper for the day. And you remember, now there was a day people got a newspaper. <laughs> but anyway, we, we, I look, read the newspaper, all right? Now, you come back over here for a second here. Now, can I just tell you that all you are is the newspaper boy, all righty? So all, all you are is the delivery of the news of Jesus Christ that that person needs to be saved. Now, I want to tell you why we don't go soul winning. This is what happens, okay? Newspaper boy comes by. He drops it off. Now, can you imagine if I get my newspaper and I, I open it up and I find, oh, all of us have to have the vaccine. I go through the newspaper. Biden is still president. Oh, all right. 
uh, I find out there was a hurricane. I find out there was an earthquake. I find out that 15 people died last night in my own neighborhood. And I look at my newspaper, I get all upset. I said, come here! I don't like it that people died last night. I don't like it that Biden's president. I don't like it I got to take the vaccine. Why? Is he the one that made the news or is he the one to deliver the news? So what happens, we as Christians, we start to feel like they're mad at us. Church family, they're not mad at us. They're mad at the message. They don't want to be told that there's a hell and there's a heaven. They don't want to be told they can't get to heaven by their own good works. And so what happens is we don't want to tell people about Jesus Christ because they slam the door in our face or because they cuss at us or because they don't like what we're telling them. It's the message they don't like. It's not you. Thank you. I won't hit you anymore. All right. You did a good job, Isaac. All right. You probably deserved hitting, but all right. One last thing I want you to see in your, in your Bible. Look back in verse number 20, uh, 21. It says, And the hand of the Lord was upon them, verse 21, and the hand of the Lord was with them. Now, what was the result of God's hand being on them? And a great number, what? Believed and what? Turned unto the Lord. You know, I think you'd find out really quick that it's not you when people start getting saved just because of you witnessing, you're going to find out God did that. You ever been a door before and all of a sudden you quoted a verse of scripture that you didn't even know you had to your memory? You know, when God's hands upon you, and by the way, it has to do with your spirituality. You know, you can't live like the devil and think you're going to go soul winning and people are going to get saved. I'm just trying to tell you that when God's hands upon you, he, it's, he uses you as a vessel, and it's still the message, it's still the Holy Spirit of God. By the way, you did not get saved because you found God. I'm talking about you. You did not get saved because you found God. You got saved because God found you. He said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. You didn't come to Christ. Oh, I saw that I was a sinner and I, I came to Jesus Christ. No, there was a Holy Spirit of God that pricked your heart and you finally yielded to that whosoever will and you accepted Christ as your Savior. So when we go door knocking or when we tell people about Jesus Christ, which is world evangelism in our own town as well as world evangelism around the world, we're just simply that unlikely candidate. I don't deserve to tell people about Jesus Christ. I don't have the right kind of language. I can't say it just correctly. But God uses us regardless, an unlikely candidate, going to an unlovely. This is about the most unlovely I can find. You go to an unlovely person, a person who seems like they don't want the gospel, seems like that their life is just against God. Sometimes it's an atheist, sometimes an agnostic, sometimes it's a pagan. But you talk, this is, this is crazy. They're not going to listen to me anyway. It's not about them listening to you. It's about the Holy Spirit of God drawing them. An unlikely candidate going to an unlovely people with the gospel of Jesus Christ with God's hand on them. Church family, I'm all for world evangelism. But world evangelism starts here. How many of you, don't raise your hand, how many of you keep gospel tracts with you so that when God opens an opportunity that you can say something, give somebody the gospel? Are they in your purse, in your pocket, in your car? How, how many of you, in a I don't know you tonight. I'm not trying to be offensive tonight. I don't know you. But when's the last time you came out to go soul winning? Well, I'm busy. Your schedule's not going to change the fact they're going to die someday. You know, teenagers are not just the only witness. We're all supposed to be a witness. Church, I'm going to close. Can I just tell you this? I'm not a good soul winner, but I can be obedient. 
Believe me, I am not a good soul winner. I mean, when I do this, this is, this is what I do when I do it. Hello, my name's Scott. Uh, Scott Hanks. This is my partner, John. We're from the Heritage Baptist Church. Just like to give you an, an invite. You get a chance to go to church anywhere? More important than going to church, know for sure you're going to heaven. Do you know for sure any way to heaven? Can I take just a moment and show you how? Now, I want to tell you, that's not super fantabulous. <laughs> but I learned a long time ago, it's not my presentation. I don't deserve to be saved. God uses an unlikely candidate to go to an unlovely people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And sometimes people don't get saved simply because I don't have God's hand on my life. Christian, you can win people to Christ. All you've got to do is have God's hand on your life and go. That's simply how it is. You say, I thought we were talking about world evangelism. This is the world. You're living in it. What are you doing about it? I probably went a little longer than I should. Can I just say one more thing, church family? It, I'm talking about me personally. It's easy. I'm going to say it. It's easier for me to give than it is for me to go. That's just me. Why do we go? Because God said, and ye shall be witnesses unto me. That's why we go. I just can't do that. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. I'll close with this, and I am done on this one. When I graduated from college, I went back home, worked with my father. As my dad was my pastor. He pastored the same church 33 years, just south of Chicago. And I got on a bus route, and I was a bus captain. I'll never forget the Saturday that I was going to visit my bus route, and I was probably only 19 years old, maybe 20, maybe. I'll never forget it was a summer day, and our windows were down, and I could smell smoke. You, ever, you know, you, you feel like, I said, you're thinking to yourself, somebody must be grilling. But I was pull, driving down the road, and I was not very far from it, and it was our bus kid's house. There was smoke coming out from underneath the eaves of the house. The house had to have been engulfed in flames because the smoke was coming out from all four sides out of the house. When I got out of the car, I lost myself. I, had, I did not think about the house was on fire. The only thing I could think about is those bus kids are inside. I ran up to the door. I did everything I could to try to break the door down. Everything was locked up, tighter than it can be. And I, I felt so helpless because I could not get in. And I honestly thought they were going to burn to death. You know, I think that we would lose ourselves when it comes to soul winning, if we really saw it like God sees it. It's a real hell. They're going to die. And God wants us to simply to tell them. And yes, I do it with my missions giving, but I also do it with me telling somebody. So what's world evangelism? It's an unlikely candidate going to an unlovely people with the gospel of Jesus Christ with God's hand on them. People believed and turned simply because of world evangelism. That's what this church, that's what every church should be doing. Now, I don't know what the Lord's doing in your heart tonight, but if you're saved tonight, you're supposed to tell people about, him, about Christ. Would you bow your head and close your eyes tonight?